morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending upon where in the world you are and what time of the day it is that you're listening to this podcast. Um, today we've got one topic of conversation, it is Martinus Wilhelmus Brands. And with me, I've got two people who, once you hear their voices, you'll recognise immediately. Roger, you're the music man, I'm going to come to you first. Andrew's waiting on the phone as well to speak after you. Um, the opening tune, what was all that about? Yeah, well that was, uh, good morning Paul, this that was this tonic big enough for both of us. Um, from 1974, would you believe it? That looks like 46 years ago when I was 10 years old. Um, It was by a pretty off-the-wall band called Sparks. They were American, um, got to number two in the UK singles charts in 1974, and it was kept off top spot by one of your favourite bands, the Rubettes, with Sugar Baby Love. There you go. Just reaching over to my cassette tapes to um, start playing them in the background. <laughs> <laughs> They're always at hand, Roger. You know that. Um, Andrew, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for good. having me. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Uh, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, director of football, Roger. I'm going to come to you first on this, and then we can get into the Angelotti and whether Marcel Brands play together. Director of football, you've always been um, on the more sort of. Uh, less willing to accept the fact that we need one side of the argument, if I can put that so ineloquently. Um, you've never quite been in favour of a director of football, have you? I don't know. I mean, there's so many double negatives there. I'm not quite sure. Um, OK, are you in favour of a director of football? I think in principle, um, it's a structure that can work. Um, and and I think one was needed. I can understand the logic for Mashiri, a bit of a football fan coming in with a sack full of cash and trusting someone uh, to take over the footballing side of the business, both player development, academy, recruitment, the whole lot. That's what he should have done. As we know, he didn't um, because the academy is still operating independently even now. And, um, you know, he thought that Steve Walsh would be that man. Steve Walsh clearly wasn't a fantastic successor that you could argue he's had more hits than Marcel Brands. We'll get into that. Um, So I think the structure can work. Um, my concerns are uh, when you have a manager now um, who was my long-term target for the club, as many people will know, in Don Carlo. Um, and I appreciate, and Andy will tell us that he's worked with directors of football and presidents before, but, but you know, Carlo Ancelotti knows more about football than Marcel Brands. That's my view. They're only three years different in age. I really didn't know that. Marcel Brands, 58 years old, for goodness sake. That, that surprised me. I thought he was younger. And Carlo is 61. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a difficult tension there between the two. And this summer, obviously, some big decisions need to be made. Um, and we have a director of football who I don't know who he works for, who he reports to. He's got a seat on the board. He was put on the board kind of seven months after his appointment. Looks to be a bit infallible, but there's Carlo Ancelotti there trying to win football matches. And um, he has a reputation to protect. So, sorry, long-winded answer. I think it can work, but I've got real reservations about it in the current climate with those two personalities at Everton. OK, lots, lots of sort of unpacking that answer. Um, Andrew, you uh, obviously working in the industry, you will be familiar with all the different models that exist mm-hmm. 
sometimes talking to first team managers, sometimes talking to the director of football, director of academies, etc. From from your perspective, how does the sort of how does Marcel Brands fit into what is the current Everton setup? Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a really open question that because in in the real world, obviously, you know, a director of football should be there to protect clubs. Obviously, you know, in terms of the growing financial risk, you know, that this this thought and decisions, you know, it's they, they're there to ensure continuity, really. And usually, you know, in, in many cases, the, the, an owner or you know, a principal investor is usually hands off, and the director of football usually sort of steers the philosophy of the club. At Everton, that is not the case. I don't think Mashiri still obviously has a heavy. You know, this will be quite a theme with a lot of my answers. Mashiri still has a heavy involvement in a lot of what happens at Everton, and I don't think the roles are quite clearly defined. You know, as you know, as I'll say, maybe again is that Carlo Ancelotti was employed by uh, Farhad Mashiri. I don't think particularly if Marcel Brands had had his choice that Carlo Ancelotti would have been the manager. I know people would go oh, and gasp at that, but I just think that. It's to work under. I think he would have chose a different type of manager. Now I know people think that's sacrilege, but it, 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 I suppose it's semantics. I think that Marcel Brands has been limited, as Roger said, in, in his in his scope in the academy, which is a real concern because, as part of the director of football role, as part of shaping the philosophy of the club and moving us forward, that is a key element to it. And I think. Overall, I think Marcel Brands' job has been a bit tougher than it is. But I believe that we do need a director of football. I believe that if you look at the last nine out of the 11, last nine of 11 Premier League title winners have all had a director of football or a sporting director. So it is something that is shown to work in England. It's just that Everton seems to be making a bit of a mess of it, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, not, not much that I would disagree with there, to be honest. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's for for some people, they think that the director of football is just all about transfers, but actually it's not, isn't it? It is a very wide, well, depending upon which organisation you're in, I guess. But it is a very wide ranging job. Uh, you've got transfers, you've got the academy, you've got the whole football philosophy, as you say, you've got the whole preparing budgets in terms of who's staying, who's coming in, who's who's leaving. Responsibility is that. In, in modern football, I think, would be too much for just a first-team coach or manager. Mm. Um, you know, in the way that David Moyes used to do all of those things, and David Moyes literally did um, you know, 90% of the things that we just mentioned. Uh, in, I think in modern football, it, that's too much of a responsibility on one person. Well, you're looking at five or six different departments, aren't you, really? Now you're looking yeah. at sports science, analytics, recruitment, coaching you know the board there's, there's five different well, there's, there's probably more than that in the setting instead of drop down departments but there's a lot a lot to manage for one person there so i think a director of football allows the manager slash a coach to concentrate them on the matter of hand which is the first team roger um mashiri is obviously a very experienced experienced businessman he's used to uh, managing companies from sitting at the very top being chairman of companies being um, chairman of board of directors, etc. How much of it? How much of Marcel's role is his responsibility to, to define? Um, well, do you want my answer, or do you want John Blaine's answer? <laughs> Let's have your answer first. Well, my answer is it's completely up to Mashiri to make this clear, um, and and he should have done, and he should do. And, and I think Andy is absolutely right that Mashiri is not necessarily the solution. He's part of the bleeding problem 
because he's interfered and meddled in a whole host of things. And we've all heard different things, you know, on the grapevine and, you know, half-truths and Chinese whispers around the different transfers, whether it be Sigurdsson, whether it be Iwobi, whether it be Keane, as vanity purchases led by Mashiri rather than brands. But, you know, we've got a Mashiri should be making it clear that uh, Marcel Brands is in charge, that David Unsworth reports to Marcel Brands. David Unsworth doesn't have his own transfer budget. Uh, and, um, you know, ideally, Marcel Brands should appoint the manager. But there is something deeply farcical. I think that's the point that, that Andy was making about Marcel Brands deciding, oh, well, I know, let's give the job to Carlo Ancelotti. Um, because Carlo Ancelotti can eat him for breakfast and his reputation goes beyond him. Now, I understand that they're doing different things. And I genuinely understand that a director of football works in successful European clubs. The key word there is successful. And the second word, which is notable by its absence, is that the director of football tends to be anonymous. Now, Everton have brought this guy in as if he's the, the, the second coming, you know, as if he's the panacea to all our ills. Um, and we've put him front and centre alongside a woefully inadequate appointment, which was Marco Silva. And, and, and the whole thing was just a recipe for disaster. Now, Brands has had a successful career. That's right. I've only just looked into it, the detail of it in the last few days. You know, his best signings, apparently, and maybe Andy can add a few. You know, he signed Dries Mertens mm -hmm. um, for PSV in 2011 for 7.6 million. And he's gone on to great things at Napoli. He signed Jeannie Wijnaldum at PSV for four and a half million. Flogged him off to Newcastle and he's playing at the other side of the park. Moussa Dembele, he signed him at Alkmaar and he's gone on to Spurs. And some, the backup keeper at Man United, Sergio Romero. Um, you know, it's not really an endless roster of hit after hit and success after success. But doubtless he made a really big impression at PSV. They won, was it three league titles, I think. So he's had success. But, you know, I don't know who the director of football is really at City or Chelsea or Liverpool, Real Madrid, whoever it may be, Juventus. I'm sure they're effective and I'm sure they get on with it behind the scenes. But Everton have almost set brands up to fail by giving him a hopeless manager in silver in the first place. And then, you know, a load of players that we should never have bought in that Steve Walsh era. And then they've thrown Carlo Ancelotti at the problem, which is, you know, a very, very big investment and a very significant one. So I do feel sympathy for, for brands. However, you look at his signings and very, very few of them are have been successful. We come on to the detail of that. I'm sure. What are your thoughts, Andy? It, I, I think you, you've hit a lot of nails on the head, and you, you know you did mention many of his best signings. Obviously, I like Kevin Streetman, to that who's now who, who obviously went to Roma and before he got injured was doing great things. But he, he, I think the key with Brands, I think, is is not. I think obviously signings can be a fairly mixed bag. If you go over any director of football's you know career of ten, maybe ten plus years in, in that role, you're going to find that there's a lot. You know, there's probably fifty fifty really times. I think what helped Brands immensely is obviously the Youth Academy and the, yeah. the way that they, they, they plan ahead and they brought Memphis Depay, Daniel yes. Marlon, who they got from Arsenal through, you know, Cody Gapo, Mohamed Hatter, and now players of that ilk who've then gone on to, you know, maybe not gone on to better things, I guess, but obviously gone on to be those big prospects. And I think, oh, Steve Bergwijn, who's now at, at, at Tottenham as well. I think that helped, obviously, they were obviously a successful team. And, he obviously had Phil Cochu seeing the fission out in the first team. I think it, it all flowed down from Marcel Brands, the academy, the, 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 the philosophy of the club they built. Basically, they'd say, we've got this player, maybe Dries Mertens, and in two, three years' time, we've got another player in the academy who will obviously replace him when we sell him for big money. There was, there was a whole plan, and I just think at Everton, 
it's impossible for that to happen because, as you rightly say, he came in, he didn't choose Marco Silva. Marco Silva was ill-fitting for the role of Everton manager. He obviously had to inherit the disastrous Steve Walsh. It's not just Steve Walsh, because I think Steve Walsh isn't, you know, is a good talent evaluator. I just think he's not a good director of football. Ronald Koeman and Mashiri was involved there. And I think he's been dealt a bum hand. And I think... I think I look much like you, Roger. I'm sympathetic to Marcel Brands, and I, I am a big fan of the director of football model, so I still do retain some faith. Obviously, he's not immune to criticism, and we'll get on to the criticism of him soon, but I do think there's got to be some understanding of how his role's been both limited and his hands have been tied behind his back in some ways that he can't help. To what extent, Andy? You know, he's he's got a big reputation and he's succeeded wherever he's gone. And this does apply to Carlo to a, to a slightly lesser extent because he's, and I know we said they're quite close in age, but Carlo really doesn't have a great deal to prove, but nor does he want to be associated with with a failure. Now, if no. I'm a professional Marcel Brands, I've done this great these great things in, in Holland, and I've come to England, and, and my hands are... T- I mean, if I was taking a senior role in a business and I was running sales, which would be the most likely thing, and there was some other person running a part of the sales operation that I didn't have direct control over... I, I would have either sorted that out from day one or I would be forcing the issue in role. And if they didn't do what I want, I'd probably walk because I can't do the job you've hired me to do unless I can tell David Unsworth to stop messing about and actually producing first team players or players to sell rather than trying to win some half-baked Premier League 2 competition. Well, the, the academy's a whole different kettle of fish. But yeah, I, I, I think I wonder, you'd have to be there and see what Mashiri promised them. I think, I think he took the took the job part. I know there's rumours that he turned down the Man United role. There's rumours that he didn't want to go to Chelsea because he felt that he wouldn't have enough power. And obviously, it's very interchangeable roles at big clubs like that. And he wanted a proper project. Now, whatever, and you're coming in after a period of awful recruitment and spending, and you just and I think that buys you time. So maybe he thought. They're obviously fixing that with buying time to get the lay of the land and, and, and build that way. But in fact, unfortunately, the way the Premier League works and, and obviously the, the impatience of the fan base, rightly so, after 25 years without a trophy and even you know, you know nearly 35 years or more, nearly 35 years without a league championship, I think it's it's not worked out the way you've foreseen it. And I, and I am surprised that he's not put his foot down or threatened to leave or we've never heard anything like that. Maybe he has and we don't know. But I think... It's it's just a, it's 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 a bit of a mess, and again, we come back to the person who's involved in the in the leading of this mess is Farhad Mashiri, and he's still allowing others on the board to have too much of an influence. I know some people are fans of Bill Kenwright, but he still has sway over the club, you know, even though he's not the principal owner anymore. So I, I don't know. I think Marcel Brands really needs to either you know you know what's the word consolidate his role. Or probably move on if he's not going to be able to do what he's going to do because it's going to affect his, his um, reputation more than anyone's. And so. could it be, sorry, just a final question there? I know you want to jump in, Paul. Could it be that Brands has now just become as cozy as everyone else at Everton Football Club on a nice big fat salary, taking the money and not really bothering about the outcome of, of the day job, you know, as exemplified by some of the pathetic performances from the overplayed, overpaid? and underplayed mercenaries we've got wearing the royal blue jersey could that be the case that he's just on a good he's on a good um deal and he doesn't particularly want to rock the boat 
I've not heard that, but however, it seems to be a unfortunate poison chalice Everton. The people who seem to have ambition when they come to Everton, it all becomes a bit of a malaise quite quickly. So that's there's potential for that there. I think there's a serious issue with the culture at, at the club in terms of you know not just in the first team because obviously we can see that on the pitch, but at the club overall, there's this giant malaise of people coming in and being overpaid and and probably being too cushy in the roles that they've got because nothing ever seems to change really, does it? No. You see, that's, they're all really interesting points. The question I was going to ask, um, and in a sense you've asked it, but I answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The situation that Brands inherited, and we'll get on to the individual players and stuff in a few minutes, the situation that Brands inherited, has he managed to improve that situation? Is the situation pretty much the same as it was when, when, he, when he came to the club? Or in fact, actually, if you looked at Everton, you know, sort of in a holistic sense from a footballing point of view, um, are we in a worse position than we were two years ago? Because ultimately that's the mark of, or or that's the measure that determines uh, how much influence and how much success Brands has had so far. Do you want to go first, Andy? Uh, I would say there's, there's probably a minimal if anything, improvements in terms of on the pitch product, I think, I think, don't think the managers helped that. I don't think, you know, not the current manager, obviously. I don't think the previous manager helped that. What I would say is what he's done is he seems he's changed the age round of the squad because under Walsh, we seem to sign a lot of players, you know, 27, 28, and unfortunately give Sam Allardyce 50 million. And he bought players of that age, which was a bit hard, but whatever. And I think I think under what the age is now is 26. I'll, I'll just check. I forgot to check before we came on what the age is now, but I'll let Roger answer. But yeah, I think overall he's changed the squad. And what's happened really is I think, although maybe, you know, Alexa Wobies, your um, Moise Keynes may not have hit the ground running and proved the worth. I don't think particular. I don't think they're going to lose as much value as other players that we've bought, such as a Gilfie Sigurdsson. So I think we'd be we'd still be able to. We, we, I'd say what we do now is we have a bit of more fluidity in moving players out and bringing players in than we did previously. Um, I take your point on those two players, Iwobi and King, may retain some value. Um, I'd have to say, I think we're in a worse position, Paul. I really do. I mean, I appreciate that 50-50 is not a bad success rate. If you're taking even money bets, then then that's okay. But I don't think we've even got 50-50. You know, Alex Iwobi was given a five-year deal. Five-year deal. I mean, I don't know whether that was Marcel Brands or whether that was Bill Kenwright or Denise Barrett-Baxendale, but that is... Absolute lunacy. That is utter lunacy. Whatever you think of Alex Iwobi as a footballer, to give him a five-year deal is madness. Give him a three-year deal and let's see if he proves himself. He has played 28 times for us this season, scored two goals and got one assist for 28 million quid. That's an abject fail, right? Moyes Keane was given a five-year deal. He was given a five-year deal too. He played 10 times for Juventus or whatever. The guys played 31 times, got one goal and two assists. That's a failure. I'm sorry, it's a failure. We have to call it out. There were gambles, yes. And I think Danny, I would never have bought Danny Ings, personally. But (laughs) Danny Ings or Moyes Keane, for goodness sake. 
I mean, I, I would argue whether we needed a player, whether this squad, I take your point on ages, Andy, because it's very valid, but this squad with a young Richarlison and a young DCL up top, what they needed from competition-wise might have been a slightly older head. Um, and to add another youngster to that group may not have been the right mix. Um, also, when you're bringing in young lad from a foreign country coming over from Italy, some language difficulties, always going to be difficult. But the return's really poor. I'm sure his wages are quite significant. You'll have those to hand, Paul. But a five-year deal again, I mean, it just beggars belief. And so, yes, we may be able to sell him on. But you'd have thought we'd have learned from giving Gilfie Sigurdsson a five-year deal to give nobody a five-year deal. We gave well, Yeri Mima a five-year deal too. I mean, what is this? We are, we are a charity as a football club now. That is lunacy from a commercial perspective to give largely unproven players five-year deals. Sorry, I'll No, 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 it's fine. I, can I, it, Andrew, before you just come in, I think the reason why the five-year deals were given is because it spread the cost of the transfer of over five years rather than three years or four years. And at the back end of last, of, of last summer, when, you know, I think, I think they could panicked a little bit. Um, it bought players that really it couldn't afford to buy. Okay. Mishiri put money into the, into the business in order to buy them. But from a, from an accounting point of view, from a financial fair play point of view, from a um, profit and sustainability point of view, we shouldn't really have bought those players. And in order to buy those players and to make it even look acceptable, we had to put to put a five-year contract along alongside it, so that you know, what three players at say twenty-five million each, seventy-five million pound. That's uh, five years is fifteen million pound a year. If you did it over three years, that's twenty-five million pound a year. I don't think we could have afforded to have taken that ten million pound hit. You're probably right from a financial perspective, but the problem is that if I'm Alex Iwobi and I'm on a five-year deal at Everton, <laughs> thank you very much. I mean, you've only got to look at Sigurdsson and his attitude to see what the impact is on a player if they're not managed, if they're not motivated. Uh, you know, it's just it's just easy street, isn't it? What, what I would say, Roger, on on the five-year deal, I think I think given Sigurdsson a twenty-seven a five-year deal is obviously basically you, you've given people someone a contract that's going out to the prime. Alex Awobi was twenty-three, five-year contract takes him to twenty-eight. He'd still, you know, in theory, be in his prime. Moise Keane would only be entering his prime at the end of the five years, and I think that's why football contracts generally on younger players generally are longer because you retain control over them, and obviously. The longer you have on the contract, the longer the asset remains. As Paul probably understand that, you know, the longer you have contract is, the longer you control that asset, and the longer that asset retains its value. Obviously, has to perform on the pitch to do so. I just, by the way, under Cumin um, at the start of the 2017-18 season, the average age of the squad was 30 years old. It's now 26.1. So we've dropped it four years. So basically, what we have now is overall a squad in their prime, is what you would say. Unfortunately. They're underperforming in the prime, but what I, 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 the issue I find with this is the problem. I think with you know we'll, we'll go on to the players now. We may as well. I think Awobi, the whatever the story is behind this transfer, there's obviously rumours that it wasn't Marcel Brands. You know the way I look at I like Alex Awobi at Arsenal. You know he's not worked out for Everton. Let's be honest, and this four four two really doesn't suit him. However, if you looked at what Everton needed last summer. You know, obviously Wilfred Zahar was mentioned. What they needed is someone to be able to carry the ball into the final third, someone who could beat a man, someone who could create, 
we haven't really had someone who can do that in open place since Ross Barkley left, whatever your thoughts on Ross Barkley were. So, an Alex Awobi, you look at the days you watched him on video, he, he does meet that. Now, the problem is whether he's an Everton type of player. And I think this is where I made the mistake in making a judgment on him. He doesn't fit the Everton ethos. He's too passive as a player. We need we require players to give a hundred percent and show commitment. And that's where maybe Marcel Brand has got it wrong wrong when I've when I've evaluated it. He hasn't signed Everton. They just don't fit. Andy, I think uh, I think that's a great point because you can look at somebody like Bernard, you can look at somebody even like Yeri Mina, and you can look at Andre Gomez. Um, and not really see. I mean, Gomez is, is one for a little bit of a sly foot in, maybe. But but those those players, they they don't. I mean, I want skill and effort. I want both together, and I'm sure you we do, all. Yeah. But but if you don't show effort, <laughs> you know, it's just that's the end. I mean, if you lose the fans, you lose the fans, and and virtually every player in the squad at the moment is struggling, maybe bar Richarlison. People are even getting annoyed with him because he seems to give up after five minutes, which he did at Wolves. That was quite clear. Um, It's just, why do you think, I mean, style of play, I don't really mind whether we play 4-4-2. That's my preference. That's the system that I'm most familiar with. 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, 4-1-4-1. I don't care. But surely, 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 if you're a director of football and you've come to a football club, you want a certain type of player. And there are players that we can all note as Tottenham players. You know, someone like Serge Aurier is a Tottenham player all day long. Um, You can look at Liverpool players. And I think Jeannie Wijnaldum is a perfect Liverpool player. Jordan Henderson, a perfect Liverpool player. Manchester United, Bruno Fernandes, he's a perfect Manchester United player. You know, they play with that style, but they have that attitude, that commitment, that real passion to them that the fans can identify with. Why Why has Brands thought that Everton wanted players with that sort of nice little ball players like Bernard or even Iwobi? Because they just don't, they don't cut it, do they? The, the, I think the, 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 what I'll do is say we'll separate out the, the, the first season under Brands and the second season because I think a lot, yeah. of, I think obviously due to the poor season, we're having emotions are running high and we're obviously cancelling everyone who was sat last summer. And obviously it's probably a bit too early to do that. You know, you talked about earlier, you know, Steve Walsh's signs seem better, but they've had a larger sample size of them over a couple of years. You know, we've obviously, if you, if you rated this Walsh's sign after that first awful year, maybe not as good, you know. So I suppose you've got to, you know, Michael Keane after that first Walsh year, awful. Obviously yeah. they come back under Marco Silva. So you've got to give it a larger sample size. We'll take the first some of them. Richarlison, yes, obviously it's usually Brands is beaten with a stick saying that it was a silver sign and I think Brands obviously is on record as scouting him a lot for PSV. I don't think he would have brought him, allowed Silva to bring him to the club if he didn't think he was a good player. So whatever way you want to look at it. Yeri Mina, I at the time was a bit cautious on Yeri Mina. He hadn't played a lot of football at, that, at a high level. I think he's been fairly good. I think he's just a bit injury prone at times. His injury record pre-Everton wasn't really anything for concern. It's just the usual Everton case, unfortunately. Luca <laughs> Dean obviously failed at two, three top clubs. Turned out to be quite a quality buy. He's, you know, made people think, not forget about Leighton Beans, we could never forget, but he's made people, you know, he's obviously taken over that map. You know, it's quite a high level, to be fair. Yeah. Gomez, I wouldn't have signed Gomez. I've, I've been on record saying this before. I think Andre Gomez has got all the talent in the world. He's a super footballer. He's just the mentality is, unfortunately, whatever happened to him at Barcelona, he's just not the player he was at Valencia. And I think, I think that we've both flawed players in that, in, in that sense. And then you're, you're Bernard. He was a free transfer. 
we all know his agents is. So whether that was a brand's deal or not, we'll you know we'll find out probably at later date. But I think this is this is the problem. It's, as John Blaine, like we don't know what John Blaine says. We don't know what we don't know. And are all these players, who is the brand signings and who is Machiri's friend signings? I'm not saying that's definitely the case because I think brands would have been consulted, but there's certainly an element of interference with the transfer policy of them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we don't know. Moise Keane, we hear, was, you know, a vanity purchase offered to um, Machiri. And, and and we hear that Iwobi was, you know, more of, a, more of a silver signing than not. It's very difficult to come back to my point, therefore, if brand... Who are who has he signed? And if none of them are, are his men, surely he should do something about that, you know. And at the moment, his neck is really on the line. He's on. He's under pressure. I think. I think from a fan perspective, he is. From a board perspective, I think this is. I was listening to Stuart Webb, who's obviously the Norwich director of football, and he said it. May, you know, you have to believe. If you believe in a plan, you have to stick to it. Do the fans believe in the f- plan? Probably we don't know what the plan is. Less than, there isn't a plan, Andy. What yeah. is the plan? There isn't well, a plan. That's the problem. But he's under no pressure from the board because the board's a lovely, cosy club. I mean, well, this is the problem. It comes from the top down, doesn't it? We've always, I think we've always said this. That The problem with Everton is, you know, Bill Kenwright, don't be wrong, you know, he's a good ambassador for Everton, obviously, in the public eye. Did he ever really put pressure David Moyes? No. And, you know, there's there's one reason why Moyes worked. There was continuity at the club. Every The, the team's built in Moyes' image. He had no pressure on him, really, apart from maybe that second year. You know, that's why it worked. Under Everton, we've had, what, four, well, you know, not including interim managers. We've had three managers since Martinez left and then two interim managers. And two different transfer strategies, probably 7,000 plans. How can it, you know, even Carlo's going to, you know, this is the problem as well. And I think that Carlo's obviously got a longer leash than Marcel Brands, but will Carlo realise that this is a bit of a mess eventually? I think he's already realised, hasn't he? <laughs> he must have done. Can I can I just come back on, on, on um, the Mashiri point and on the point about, you know, does Marcel Brands have, first of all, does he have control? Secondly, does he have a board that makes it, you know, him uh, his job more demanding uh, than possibly it is. I was doing some research for an article that I'm going to publish in the next uh, sort of 24 hours re- regarding Mashiri, and I found um, I found one of the first interviews that he did, and I actually think that a lot of us, and I'm probably the person that's most guilty of this, have misunderstood what Mashiri thinks his role is within the, within the club. I think we thought we've got a billionaire investor, somebody who wants the club to challenge, somebody who wants the club to be, you know, successful, sort of hard-driven, sort of, you know, a real bastard to work for. Uh, if you don't do it, you're out. You know, sort of a real driven man. But I came across this, and I'm just going to read it to you. And I think this is very different. <laughs> this is certainly very different from my impression of, of who brands might be, but not that different of my impression of the rest of the board. Um Mashiri said, I bought into a great club. This was after the Chelsea quarterfinal game in 2016, the one that Lukaku scored that great goal. What a manager. What a manager. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I bought into a great club. I felt it today. It is a great club. I think you can never take over a club. You can be part of a club. And I think that's what I'm hoping, to become part of a club. I bought into a family, a new family. I think that's what's special for me. And I give them whatever I have. And then the, the quote continues. But perhaps Mashiri is not the 
the agents of change that we that we thought he might have been. And because of that, and because of the absence of leadership and the absence of like real true ambition, you know, we are just a, a slightly wealthier version of Bill Kenwright's club today. And in that sense, if that if that assessment is correct, does a Marcel Brands really fit into that type of organisation? It's a very good question. I mean, it's quite depressing to hear that, Paul, um, <laughs> because because I, you know I couldn't I, I actually couldn't disagree with it anymore. That's um, exactly you not couldn't disagree with it anymore. I, I couldn't disagree with Mashiri more. Uh, you know, it's not what we need. And I think you're probably right. I think he's a bit of a soft touch. Um, I think he's a generous and indulgent grandfather type figure um, who I don't think is ruthless. Um, I don't have detailed knowledge of his business workings. But I, if I'd thrown, uh, clearly I don't have that sort of money, but if I'd committed a, a, a decent amount of my reputation to an investment like Everton, I would have um, made it my business to put in place a structure or to appoint somebody new to go in and run this cosy club with an iron fist. Yep. And that is clearly what was needed. He never did the due diligence. He bought the Kenwright story. He thought he could throw a bit of money at it and everything would be fine. Um, Sorry, Roger, just let me stop, stop you there. I think he did do the due diligence and that's the point. Um, he looked at the club for 15 months before he bought it. But cultural due diligence, I mean. Yeah, I, I, that, that is exactly the point, Roger. I think he bought into this. I think Really? I think he bought into Ken Wright's vision mm. of a club. Mm. Can I ask Paul, do you, do you think that, and this is slightly off point, but it'll come back, <laughs> do you think that, I always question with Machiri, is one the, the very same thing is that whether he's basically Bill's, you know, one, you know, money pot really in a sense that he's just bought into Bill's vision rather than the fans' vision of Everton, which is obviously to get back to what the 80s was for a lot of fans. Or was it always on the, you know, on the low down? Was he always planned to build the stadium and sell the club for a massive profit? Because I think we've always represented, if done right, and obviously if you had the money, an opportunity to flip a massive profit because of the stadium. Uh, there's, there's no doubt from an, from an investor perspective, he saw that Everton was an undervalued asset and, and an underdeveloped asset. So that the, um, yeah. in a sense, the, to de-risk the whole exercise, there's always that option to build the stadium and then sell. Whether that is his intent or not, I don't know. But if he ever wanted to get out, that's the route by which he gets out and he, he makes some money out of the deal. Um, but I don't know if that was his motiv you know, that was his motivation or not. I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, part of one of the conclusions I draw in my article is actually here's a rich man who is in love with football, loves his football, enjoys his football, um, by all accounts is, is, is a football nut. And we are, we are nothing more than a toy. We're a plaything to a wealthy man. Do you think that obviously, well, you know, we don't like to mention them too much, but I think the advantage that Liverpool have across the park is their owner obviously has come from already rebuilding the a, a, a sports team and, and knows the way to build the champion and obviously is ambitious in that sense. Do, 
Or on the flip side, Mashiri was at Arsenal as what you know, fifth, sixth number number investor or owner. He had probably a small small share in the club. Is the, does he just like football rather than he actually wants to win in football? Yeah, I I, I think that, I think that's the case because um, other than his comment in one at one AGM where he said we're not we're not a museum, you know, there's a small window of opportunity. We have to win silverware. I've never. Have you ever? Oh, let me ask the question. Have you ever heard him express the the view that we're not doing enough as a football club, given the investment that he's put in, and that unless we perform better as a football club, um, he's going to make the changes that are necessary to do so. We, we've seen the changes that have sort of you know evolved out of poor decisions because we've made poor recruitment decisions in terms of football management, and they've been forced upon us because of the you know the quality of the product on the pitch. But that was events leading to decisions. It wasn't decisions themselves, if you understand the difference. Um, I, I just, I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure. If you asked me a month ago, or if you asked me six months ago, I, I wouldn't have probably made the same, an, the same answer. But having sort of done the research and thinking about this article that I'm going to publish, I actually, I, I'm not sure there's that winning you know, absolute sort of uh, rock hard iron desire to to win, and it sounds ridiculous because here's a man who's a billionaire, but there's no evidence of it. There's no evidence uh, evidence of it, and we're, we're moving away a little bit from brands, but I think brands is part of it. There's no evidence evidence of it in terms of having changed the board, having changed the clubs. You know. Um, philosophy, as Roger says frequently, you know, the, the cosy club type atmosphere that exists within within the club. There's no evidence of that change at all. No, there absolutely isn't. And there's nobody showing, the only person showing any leadership in the last six months has been Carlo after Wolves saying that was totally unacceptable. Um, uh, and, and setting some sort of standard. You know, we've talked about signings, we've talked about wages, we've talked about contracts. You know, you've only got to look at the level of salaries being paid on the board and the increases in those salaries over the last three or four years. I know that you will say, Paul, that's what a chief executive of the Premier League football club should be paid. But that same person was earning a quarter of that amount conservatively three or four years ago. So there has been an absolute commitment from Mashiri to throw money at the problem without addressing the symptoms and the root mm. cause. Um, whether that is uh, overpaying players, whether it's overpaying directors, all of whom have talent, but none of whom are challenged to improve and to succeed and to achieve. And, and therein lies the dilemma. I mean, I think, Andy, you made a point the other day about continuity and the price of continuity, mm. benefit of continuity at clubs like Sheffield United with Wilder and Wolves at uh, with um, Nuno. Great points, but, you know, maybe I'm just part of the problem myself because I don't see us competing with Sheffield United and Wolves. I see us still competing because I grew up in the 80s with United, Liverpool and the rest. I don't even consider Man City in our league. Look at what they've done with money. And maybe that's part of the problem. But you talk about Ken Wright's Everton. I don't know what Ken Wright's vision is. He just wants money to have a few fancy Dan players and not win anything. What is Ken Wright's vision, even if that's what Shiri's bought into? I don't get it. 
think I think Villa probably would like to go back to the. I just think that. I think the, the malaise came over Everton is that we're just plucky Everton basically, and I think yeah. we lost lost our identity as a club. You know, I think even now, I think the club is now what is the club's what is the identity of the club now? There's no, I suppose you know you'd hope Carlo you know forms that as you know in his image in a sense, but but what is the identity of the club? You know, the club's always been you know working class club who obviously won things in, you know in every decade up to a certain point, and now. Now, I don't know. I think it's been. I think we were lost. Really, I think the 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 issue is people go. Oh, ever since we got money, we've been terrible. Well, we're not drifting anyway. Really, you know. I think we had. I think we've had real like moments of spark. I think Moyes, obviously, for a period, we you know we looked a really interesting side, and obviously then you know I think he's even you know he, I know he could have stayed on probably. I think he probably wishes he stayed on, but he never would have been. We we were always going to head to a certain point. Where Moise's side aged out, and yeah. we've never had the money to replace them, and I think that's why Martinez. I don't. I don't rate Martinez that highly, but I think he found that problem, which is why when he tried to turn the side over and he bought poorly, it all fell apart for him. But I think now, I think with the I think with the money involved, I think we we, we just throw throw money off the band. This is why I said the other day on Twitter. I think the club needs to maybe get an outside consultancy in who looks at the problems. I think brands needs to do some due diligence of what's went wrong maybe consult with people who've been there a long time because obviously there's a, there's a culture issue at Everton and I think the club needs to fix that. Do I think brands, and we'll, we'll be getting on to this in a second, do I think brands should stay on? Yes, I do. Do I think he needs to pull his socks up? Most certainly does. I think we need some clarification of his role because if he's just going to be a head scout, he probably won't stay. If he's going to be the director of football, working side by side with Carl, I think we'll be better off. Because you know, I said this before. If you look at the big name directors of football now, you've got you know Michael Edwards, obviously. But if you look at his record pre Jurgen Klopp arriving, mixed bag, you need the right managers to make these things work. Same yeah. with Mon- same with Monchi. Everyone obviously raves about Monchi, but if you look at his signings pre you know pre one day Ramos coming up and when there was two UEFA cups, in, you know in the in the mid noughties, then yeah, again you need the right manager. I think Carlo is the right manager. I think. Brands is going to have to acquiesce on certain things in terms of maybe bringing in a bit more experience at times, just initially, just to get the level of the playing squad up. But I think I think they can coexist. Well, it's that it's that combination, isn't it? Of buying a player. We've talked about this, Andy, before. You know, they've the signings Liverpool have made. Not only have they been relatively cheap, apart from the Van Dykes and the Allisons, but they're players who have undoubtedly improved working with Coach Klopp, whether that be Wijnaldum. Them, whether it be Fabinho now, whether it be Mane, Salah, Firmino, you know, he's bought players that he's improved. And the same with Wolves, the same with Manchester City to an extent, and, and the same with um, with Leicester when they when they had their successes and, 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 and are falling away a little bit now. But the two have to work hand in hand. If you're going to have a director of football and you're going to have a manager, they've got to share the same vision. Problem is, yeah. they haven't got a bloody vision. Well, yeah. Andy, just before you do that, because this backs up both of your points, I think, in terms of who Everton are. If you look over the last 30 years, uh, top, um, have, we won, have we won anything? No. Have we come second? No. Have we come third? No. Have we come fourth? No. Oh, sorry, we've come fourth once. We've been in the top five four times in the last 30 years. And if you, if you want to look at it from, the, have we been in the top half of the division? We've only been in the top, top half of the division in 15 of those 30 years. It's embarrassing. And isn't that what Brands was brought in to change then? Well, that's the, the next point I was going to go on to was, of those 30 years, 
Mashiri has been here four and a half years. So, you know, a considerable amount of time now. He's not like the new kid on the block. And also, you know, Brands has been here for two years now. So he's no longer the new kid on the block. It, Alex Ferguson always said that this thing about footballers, you have to give them a whole season before you actually see the, the player that you've, you, you've bought. Um, and to a degree, I think, you know, something, some, something similar when you bring new people into businesses, especially where you're expecting uh, big change, it probably does take 12 months uh, before you start seeing evidence of that change. The question for me is, other than spending ridiculous sums of money, um, is there any change in the four and a half years since Mashiri has been here? And is there any change or any evidence of change in the last two years uh, that Marcel Brands has been here? Because if the answer to both of those questions is no, what 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 are we doing? Uh, what I would caveat that with though is if you look at Marcel Brands, you know, in terms of what he does at clubs, and this maybe he may be ill fitting if if the case is that it's only we're looking so short term. He was at Valjevic for seven years. He was at AZ Alkmaar for five years. He was at Eindhoven for eight years. A lot of the success of those clubs was to do with the academy and building over a long term. I, I think at Everton, the problem is the fans just haven't got the patience. And we don't know if there's a plan. And I think Brands' most effectiveness will be to build from the, the build the academy, which unfortunately, as we know, has not been possible. But now we have Chris Perkins, who obviously helped Derby turn their academy around and play with the majority of the first team is now young players. So hopefully that will be fixed. I think that having Carlo, in theory, should help Brands in the fact that you've got now a figurehead of the club and he can concentrate on fixing the, the fires. It's just whether it's just the first team. The first team has to improve because that is obviously the the thing that gets noticed first. You could say you haven't you've got the best academy in the world, but if it's not happening on the on the on the pitch, it doesn't really matter, does it? So I think we need to give brands more time. It's just that whether there's a point in giving him you know, there's a point in him trying to continue because it, it's just he, he can't do his role effectively, essentially. Um, a couple of points on that. I think the academy and the success of our academy is an absolute myth that needs to be exploded once and for all. Mm -hmm. It's produced Wayne Rooney and Tony Hibbert and Tom Davis. Ross um, Barkley. And Ross, okay. Others were bought in, um, and, and uh, whether that be uh, Mason Holgate, whether that be John Stones, whether that be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, so uh, that academy has not been producing the goods for some time. OK, that's very clear to me. And, and we seem cleverly to have controlled that part of the narrative so that the media think Everton's all about a great academy, developing young talent. And look at them all. Look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Look at John Stones. Look at all of these products. Well, they weren't products. We bought them. Um, just like we've, we've done with uh, Branthwaite, who incidentally only got a two and a half year contract, which is interesting. Um, so... You know, when he signed the deal, that was the longest he could sign because he was under 18. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Stato. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's less about who we've signed. It's, it's like who we haven't signed. Because this whole culture of competition, which is what we're talking about, that any club thrives on, you know, competition for places. You know, where was, where's the backup goalkeeper? You know, where's the person who's going to put Pickford under pressure? Where was that additional centre-back that we needed in the summer because we couldn't get Zuma? Why did we not come up with that? And frankly, without Mason Holgate and without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, both developing a pace this season, I think, 
I think the club would be in a real worse position, and I think brands would be under even more pressure because those two, between them, have solved uh, a problem which which brands really never addressed. Uh, I, I find that I find that really concerning. Um, Can but, I just add like, a caveat to that, Roger? Do we? This is the problem again. With it's obviously a narrative that we're only we that as fans from the outside looking, and this is the only the only information we get, and the only obviously evidence we see is the, the, the at the end of the window. I, the problem I find is I understand that we obviously went for um, obviously Suzuma. We wanted for Keio Tamori. Obviously, they got rid of Louise. You know, and Kef for Tamori. Then we went for Chris Small. He's actually had a good season at Roma, to be fair. Yeah, he's so a bit too bad. And yeah. then, obviously, Manchester United offers Rojo. They wanted a permanent deal. Brands, even though probably Silver wants but said no. And then we did end up with a centre-back. We don't know where the Brands offered Silver. This is the problem. With the, the, the director of football will always take the blame. But how... He won't sign players that a manager doesn't want. He could name, he could say, oh, we'll sign Neymar. If the manager doesn't want Neymar, you can't sign them because then you've got a diminishing assets on your books. And I think Brands rightfully will take the criticism if, if, if signings don't work out because he's the decision maker. Unfortunately, though, we don't know the full story behind all this. And I think I think that's why Carl, this is where I break it around to, I think Carlo Ancelotti will help because I think he understands what he needs better than Marco Silva understood what he needs. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Of course you are. But ultimately, if you're the director of football, you're responsible for recruitment. And we needed an extra centre-back and we didn't get one. So surely he should have got together with Silver and drawn up a list of centre-backs that he was happy with. And he went all the way down that list until you could get one that they both agreed on. Because ultimately, if we are, you know, we only had three centre-backs exclude uh, Holgate from that at the start of the season. That's That's negligence, I think. And the point I was just going to make before bringing up our good mutual friend John Blaine is he always talks about a foot race, Paul. And you're saying, are we better than we were four and a half years ago when Mashiri arrived or two years ago since Brands arrived? And the answer undoubtedly is that we've been overtaken. We may have improved marginally. It's a subject for debate. But we've been overtaken by Wolves. We've been overtaken by Sheffield United. We've been overtaken by a number of other clubs who are showing ambition and showing a real, you know, system, a real style of play. Look at Southampton Football Club. They just got gubbed 9-0 by Leicester earlier in the season. And in the last two or three games, they've beaten City, got a creditable draw with Man United, played Everton off the park. You know, they've got a system, they've got a bunch of players, all United, and that's Southampton, who were staring down the barrel of relegation. They've got a squad fighting for each other, look at Crystal Palace even, you know, look at those teams that we wouldn't have even thought were competitors and they've just waved as they've gone past us on the travelator. We've stood still at the very best and that's really disappointing. I think that's a fantastic point because we were certainly in, for most of, well, for the latter years, say the latter, certainly the latter half of David Moyes' reign at Everton, we were always considered to be um, the best of the rest. Yes, exactly. And and the rest and sort of and and the, the, the there was the sky four, and then we were considered to be the best of the rest. Now there's a sort of big six. Yeah, I can't say confidently we're the best of the other fourteen any longer. And I think no. that's the point that you're making. No, we clearly aren't. Leicester are better than us. Wolves are better than us. Um, uh, Burnley, Sheffield United. I mean, come on, it's getting. So then that puts us about eleventh or twelfth. Yeah, we're about what, what I would say though is we've contributed to our own problems on that front. If you look at Leicester, they've changed managers 
But John Rudkin's been the director of football since 2014. They've had a vision as a club. They've yeah. they they brought in a head of analytics, Maladin Somaz, who's a very smart guy, two years ago. They, they, they built right through as a club because their owner was focused on, but obviously they won the title, with it, which, which, was, which was obviously unexpected. But they've continued that. Now, obviously, they've had different managers, but they brought managers in to suit that philosophy. What's happened at Everton? Is it's just that we, we we brought Ronald Koeman and Steve Walsh. You probably I don't know they probably didn't share the same philosophy. I know that Walsh wants a players that Koeman wouldn't have. Then you bring in Marcus Silver and Marcel Brands. Again, did they share the same philosophy? And now you bring in Carlos. So we had a squad that was supposedly built for four three three. Now I know people say players should adapt, and yes, they should. But that's a small a side point. We then sat with it, you know Machiri instead of going. We've got a squad full of players that have been bought for this system. We're going to, like Southampton did, we're going to go out and find someone to fit this system. We didn't. We went for the name, which I understand completely. We need that name at Everton Football Club. The fans clamoured for it. I understand that. But then you're going to have teeth and problems, and I think we're seeing the teeth and problems now. And I don't think it's a quick fix. I don't at all. But I think we've we've contributed to our own downfall because there's no continuity through the club. There's no plan. It's shifting sands all the time. And I think... Until that's right, and no matter who you put in charge, it's not going to work. I, I think I think that's that, that is spot on. And <laughs> Absolutely, I think that's uh, I think that's a problem the club has had for many many years, as evidenced by some of the stats that we gave earlier. The difference um, before, uh, sorry, the difference before Moyes left was that Moyes was at what was the continuity piece, mm-hmm. uh, and he had sufficient. Uh, wherewithal within him to basically run the club himself, which is what he did. And, you know, it's seven years since Moyes left. um, And there's been no evidence of continuity, no evidence of identity from a footballing perspective at all. We've lurched from one direction to another direction to another direction, sort of, you know, wildly speculating as to what might bring us success. You're right. I mean, look at Moyes, right? I mean, what you've just said there, Paul, is that a plan can trump a manager. It was the plan that succeeded. We had a style of play. We had Baines and PNR down one side, Coleman um, down the other. We had a goal scorer at the top end of the pitch, whether that was Louis Sahar, whether it was Yakubu. And we had a decent pair of centre-backs, invariably, Sylvain Distan, um, Phil Jagielka, and we had a semi-reliable keeper. And we had a style of play... We had Tim Cahill, Mikel Arteta. You know, we had a style of play and everyone was united. And frankly, any manager, I think, would have overachieved with that group of players because they assembled a team which, as it always should be, is greater than the sum of the parts. Moyes has gone elsewhere and failed everywhere, whether it's Sociedad, West Ham, Sunderland uh, or, or Manchester United. Massively out of its depth and not up to it and the game's moved on. So it's a case for continuity, but it's more, more than that. It's a case for having a bloody plan. And, and, and that is got to be the responsibility of Mashiri. And that's why he's hired brands to implement that plan. Um, but there's no evidence of said plan. And that's what's got to change. That's why Andy's spot on. That, that There's got to be a proper drains up investigation. I know people will say he's been there for two years. He's had his chance. But, you know... We've got to start getting something right because this squad of players that we have right now is relegation fodder next season. There's no doubt about that. If Bournemouth and Norwich and, let's say, Villa go down and Leeds, West Brom 
and maybe Forest come up, every one of them teams is scrapping for their lives. And we don't have a player in the squad at the moment that's scrapping. So something has to change big time. This is this is another issue, I think, with Evan. It's sort of an added point. I think we are struggling. I think what Moyes built on the back of that is he built a culture. Exactly. So when we when we sign players, they came into an established dressing room hierarchy, probably led by Phil Neville, Tim Kale, Michael Arteta, people who've been with Moyes for four or five years, and you could assimilate players better. If you look at Everton, apart from Leighton Baines, Seamus Coleman, and you know the, the obviously experienced players, are the leaders question you know questionable on that? There's no culture at Everton. We're, we're basically signing five, six, seven players each summer. It's never going to work until there's that continuity. And I think that's why what I would say is Brands needs to pull his socks up. We need to sign better players, 100%. But I think we give him an Ancelotti time to put the house in order now. If Ancelotti's not the man to win us things, I believe he can be the man. Whether I, you know, I have any doubts about him, I've said this before. But I believe he can be the man to put us back on the right foot. And if we build the club, not in his image, I guess, but if we start the academy, playing his style of football, Right the way through, we have a plan. We'll allow brands to do that. We have the first teams for a couple of years. We'll be in a much better position. I think we just need continuity now. I think we need to stop messing around and get on all on the same page and move forward as one, rather than it's not working. Let's change this. It's not, the fans need to do this as well. The fans are very culpable on this because we're very emotional, emotive, and very impatient fans. Every, you know, let's be honest. Andre Gomez, you know. Before lockdown, people were in love with him. Now people think he's the worst player since sliced bread. I was never a fan. However, that doesn't mean I'm right. People need to. We just need to be a bit more patient. We need to have a bit more patience as fans. And I know I'm wrong to ask that of the fans, but I think it's time that we just have a bit of continuity and we build towards something rather than just tearing it up every two years. It's fair enough. I mean, I wouldn't argue with that, Andy. I'm, I'm, I'm just as impatient as the next man. We do need to be patient. But when you see gutless surrender after gutless course, surrender, yeah. um, they, dis- they are so lucky they're playing in empty stadiums, these chances. They absolutely are. Half of that squad are stealing a living and it's a disgrace and they need to be binned off and we need to replace them with quality. Because we've overspent, it's hard to get shot off. But you know, if I see Gilfie Sigurdsson posing around the centre of our midfield one more time, I think I'll jump out the window. The, the issue with, with I think, I think we can, we will change the squad, and I think there's, a, there's certainly an element of, you know, I think Gilfie Sigurdsson's obviously one peer person who I think it's time to move on from. I think with your, you know, your Keane, your Wobies, it's probably last chance saloon next season. I doubt we're going to get money for them this summer. Maybe Keane, if they decide to sell him, you might be able to swap him for a player from Roma. However, I think Ancelotti has to give it his all, it's all his experience, to try and get some consistency and some improvements out of those players. Because that's what Klopp is. We've spoke about this before in a, in a WhatsApp group. You know, improved, he's improved yes, players. Absolutely. So there's, there's a level of that. I think, though, you know, even if you know, it will be in Keane end up as your third, you know, your third winger and your third striker and, and they improve somewhat, then we're not in a bad position. It's just the first team is where we lack that quality. I think... As other people have said, I think if we sign three or four, I know Paul obviously has a subpoena, so whether we'll be able to do that. If we can, and it will be hard to loan, so there's two players at least. But if we sign three or four of the right players of the right calibre, you can fix the squad, then I think we'll be fine next season. But I wouldn't expect miracles. And I would like to see one last request. I would like to see the top of the football club, whether it's the chairman or the chief executive, making a statement, putting a flag in the ground about what this club is about success, achievement, 
winning trophies, not just a locally based, locally centered charitable organization. However laudable that is, I want the chief executive of this business to tell me that she wants to win trophies and she wants to compete, not that she wants to run a bingo game and support people in need because that's already in the fabric of Everton. The more we win, the more we'll be able to support the communities who support us. Simple. Just before we finish, uh, what I would say is to both of you and other people to go and have a little look at Leicester Cricket Clubs. Uh, they put out a 25-point KPI, yes, the KPI, 25 KPIs yesterday. It's around community, the squad, the squad development. It'd be great if football clubs did that because the fans would then understand what the goal is. I think if Everton did that, I think we'd all be better off. I think it's a really interesting read. And I th- you know, it, it sort of give their, their fans, you know, cricket fans, whatever, but you know, it sort of give their fans an insight into what the, the focus is over the next four or five years. I think that'd be great if Everton did it, like you say, with a statement or something like that. Just to make the only time we ever get anything like that is the AGM. And I think yeah. we all come out of the AGM feeling, oh, right, they, they do know what they're talking about. And then a couple of weeks later, it all changes again. But yeah, I think we do need a definite plan. Don't, don't think, don't think everybody comes at the AGM feeling that way. Well, not <laughs> Tom Cannon certainly didn't, did he? <laughs> okay, look, it's a fascinating um, conversation. A uh, couple of minutes left. So, in an ideal world, just like sort of two minutes each. Uh, how does how does the transfer window play out? I mean, it's a very odd situation, obviously, given everything that's going on. Um, three game after the three games that we've got left. Uh, Roger, what would you like to see happen? Sort of. I'd like to see Sigurdsson. I'd like to see Sigurdsson sold and us take the hit. He's a cancer in the club. He has to go. If it means we have to pay half his wages and give him away for nothing, I don't care. I want to see the back of him. We should cash in on Pickford, generate some cash. I fear we will need to cash in on Richarlison, uh, but that should only be for 80, 90 million. Um, I'd like to see a couple of hungry players coming in who've proved it at perhaps a lower level. I've always liked Ollie Watkins at Brentford, and if they don't come up, I think we should snap the handoff for him. Um, and I'd like us to have um, a genuine uh, up-and-down midfielder who can win tackles on the edge of his own box and drive forward to the edge of the other. And I'd like us to have a winger that can go past someone, don't care whether they're a left- or right-sided player. And, and from Marcel Brands, what, what would you like to say? Um, I'd like a statement. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like him to um, stamp his authority, you know, and if, for it to be clear to everyone, not because we're special and we're a special club that needs a statement from the director of football, but it's pretty clear there is no clarity in terms of his role, in terms of Unsworth, in terms of Carlo. I'd like to see Brands um, setting a standard and uh, explaining, you know, the architect that he is, explaining the type of players, the type of football that will bring success success back to Everton Football Club because at the end of the day that's his job and if he doesn't think he can do it fair enough but if he can work with Carlo Carlo I trust without Carlo I really would be um, very very apprehensive about what lies ahead all right thanks for that Roger uh, same question is raised to you Andy yeah, I'd like to see a, definitely a centre fielder who can come get around the park and win the ball I think you watch the games now and we can't win the ball back. It's just until it goes to the defenders to win it back. We just can't win the ball back. It's like chasing shadows. So someone like that, a wing who can add a couple of goals. I don't think we've got enough goals in the side without the front two. Um, and then uh, maybe another sense in the field and so we see what what's up with Kabamon. I think they, you know, maybe and I think you know a right back and a, and a centre back would be the cherry on top. I, I don't know if that's possible though. We may see John Joe Kenny back. 
I think with Marcel Brands, I'd expect the summer of a bit. What can I say? I think I think we need to see more Everton start type players in. I think he's had two years now. We should know the lay of the land of the club in terms of what the fans expect, what type of players we need. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Ollie Watkins. I really, really liked him when he was down at Exeter, Roger. Um, I think there's there's a couple of there's good players. There's enough good players out there, especially in midfield, where we can improve. And what I would say is I think that Brands, I think hopefully we start seeing the academy start to change around with Chris Perkins involved. Obviously, Niels Nkunku's already signed. I think that was, you know, we'll, we'll see how he goes, but I think that was a good sign in terms of we needed someone around the 23 left back and we've and we've now got that player. So I think that's that's positive progress. Shame about the coaching at that level. But yeah, I think I think we I think we'll we'll leave the summit in a better position than we started. Oh, thanks for that. I think that's a very positive end. Um, I always sort of, sorry? I always try to be. <laughs> <laughs> from, my, from my perspective, I think I think we need to see some communication from uh, the very top of the club, and that starts with, with Mashiri. I think we need to see some direction. We need to um, The club needs to be honest with the fans in terms of where the club is, where the club is in terms of its football philosophy, where the club is in terms of its finances. And what is and isn't possible in a sort of post post COVID world for the club, um, and I think with with greater communication and greater understanding, there will be greater forgiveness from the fans if we don't quite achieve all all that we do achieve. But um, that's a very sort of uh, optimistic wish list. Um, in Marcel Brands, I think we have somebody who can possibly do uh, what we hope uh, can be done. Uh, and obviously, in Carlo Angelotti, we have somebody um, way beyond uh, our wildest dreams when we were thinking about Marco Silva leaving uh, just sort of nine months ago. So there are some positives, but there's still an awful lot of challenges for the club. Roger, thank you so much for your time. Andy, thank you for your time. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to you both. I think your contributions have been fantastic. Um, and to everybody who's listening, uh, thank you for joining us once more.